This is Dennis Dunaway of the original Alice Cooper group, listening to Rock Strikes 10. Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes 10! Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. All right, if you tuned in to part three of our Alice Cooper extended birthday spectacular this year, you know this man already. Welcome back to the show, Chris Penn, Renaissance man. That's the best way I can put it. Dallas Music Renaissance man, Chris Penn. How you doing, Chris? Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming all, schlepping all the way from Dallas to the Mid-Cities. I know it's not an easy thing to do, and we're going to try to get you out of here before rush hour. Oh, all so. good. I'm happy to be here. All right. So this time around, we're not doing an Alice-centric episode per se. Uh, I did want to do a little background on you as well. I got this man here, a guy who's been working in record stores for a minute and lifelong musicologist, I assume, to commit to a desert island list. I'm very excited about this because when I have anybody on who's, you know, hasn't been on the show before, who has a bit of a name, I am always mega curious as to what their desert island list is, top 10 specifically. I seek out lists in magazines. I love this stuff. So, I love lists too. So let's let's uh before we get into that, I'm going to do a little bit of this that we didn't get into on the Alice Cooper episode is for those of you who do not live in this area that may not know about this amazing man, uh, give a little bit of your background. You have performed in bands. You have managed bands. Uh, let's uh, talk about some of that history. Give your little mini Wikipedia here. So. Exactly. The, the, the Chris, Chris Penopedia. Yes. Uh, well, I was born in San Marcos, Texas, and moved to San Antonio when I was about six to eight months old, and... In San Antonio is where I found my love of music and grew up there and stayed there till I was 18. And every weekend, I would go with my dad and my stepdad. We'd have a circuit of record stores we'd hit and flea markets. And uh, we'd go to Hogwild Records, Flipside, Apple Records on San Pedro. We did Eisenhower Road Flea Market and... At the time, I was big into heavy metal because that's what San Antonio was all about. I'd go find my Iron Maiden, uh, oh, yeah. import 12-inch singles with the B-sides. and Got a few of those. Yeah, <laughs> you know, finding, you know, different different releases on vinyl. and uh, You were just at the Maiden show, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I, just, we, I just saw Iron Maiden and it took Ooh. me back. And when they played uh, Power Slave, I was like, oh my God, they still, they've always had it and they never lost it. Yeah. and. Rathchild is always the one for me. Yeah, that one. yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's so <laughs> continue and, and just to watch Bruce Dickinson and Steve Harris command that stage is great. And that's that's kind of like if you can bottle that feeling. That's kind of who I was as a kid. That, that 
I went and saw, you know, Iron Maiden, Rush, Saxon, Fastway, all these great bands would come to the San Antonio Convention Center Arena. And that's back when you would have to camp out for tickets and get a hard ticket and sleep all night. And people were there playing their favorite music and blowing out their car stereos and having boom boxes, sleeping in sleeping bags. And so I did that as as a youth and I just loved music and I loved pop culture. I loved movies and... And I went to school at A&M, and the reason I wound up at Texas A&M was I got their application first before I got the University of Texas Austin's application, and I think at the time the application fee was 20 or $25, so <laughs> I didn't want to pay for that, so I just said, I'm just doing A&M, and I got in. So I went there, and I kind of became a, a big fish in a little pond there because the music scene was not that great, but I wound up... Yeah, it's uh, not known for that, yeah. No, I, I wound up... but weird twist of fate the store i used to frequent in san antonio hogwild the owner dave risher he opened a store called maroon there and i guess somehow somebody had taken him to college station and said hey there's this kind of untapped market for music in brian college station so he opened a store called marooned and i went in there one time and it was it was right across the street from campus and i was like oh my god this is just like hogwild and i told the people working there i was like you guys have ripped off Hogwell. They go, no, we didn't, because we have the same owner. I was like, holy moly, Dave, Dave's here. So, shopped there for about a year, and and uh, at the time I was working at the Seven Eleven, and became easy, it became Easy Mart, and then started working at Marooned. And yeah, then, just the atypical. That's how I did to customers becoming. Yeah, I just uh, freaking hung out there so much. They're like, yeah. put this guy to work, you know. Yeah. So I wound up working there and eventually wound up managing it. And after I graduated, I stayed there an extra two or three years and ran the store for Dave. And I kind of just got to a point where kind of went as far as you could go in Bryan College Station. But I helped bring some great bands, like I uh, was a part of bringing Fugazi to College Station. Uh, we had Shudder to Think. We had uh, Brainiac. You know, we had we brought some great bands. Tripping Daisy used to come through a lot. And what, and, what years are these? This was I went to school at A and M from eighty nine. I was at a long time actually. I, I I got out in about five years, but I hung out for a couple years after. I was there eighty nine to ninety six in, like in College Station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I somehow escaped. So so anyway, so I uh, was talking to Tim and Julie, and I said I sent them a letter and said, hey, if you guys are ever need somebody to work, you know, I'd love to come work with your band and. And they go, well, you know, let us know if you're in Dallas. So I went ahead and just moved to Dallas and started working with Tripping Daisy and started out doing merch and then started helping book the band and then started helping co-manage the band. And so we did Tripping Daisy for a while after I moved to Dallas. Tripping Daisy was going was before me, more of my time. I started in 1990. Right, right. But I was on the tail end of that. And uh, our friend Wes passed away, so we had a little gap between Tripping Daisy and the Pyphonic Spree, who I managed. And uh, we opened good records in that interim, and Tim and Julie had their first child, Stella. And uh, so from 1999 is when we decided to open good records. We opened in 2000. The biggest selling year of the CD was... 1999 yes and it's been declining ever since so leave it to us to open a record store when the main format at the time was in a steady decline the whole time we've been open but i was gonna say but at some point around 2006 or something uh all the stores were part of a coalition called ames good records is and uh we started talking amongst ourselves like hey you sell a lot of vinyl you sell a lot of records and everybody's like yeah 
So that came along at the time when the DART rail, the city transit, forced us to move. We got some money from the city. So instead of stopping, which we probably should have done, we sank more money in, got a bigger spot, and, and put more inventory and more fixtures and found a bigger and better location. And uh, vinyl is the reason we're still open. And yeah. so we're still open to this day. And uh, we're lower Greenville, Dallas, East Dallas. And uh, so that leads me up to here and here at the uh, the podcast with you, Joey. <laughs> Whoa, but wow. so there's a, there's a lot more to it. I've yeah, seen well, a million well, rock and roll shows and I just love music. And I'm like you, just uh, when there's magazines and yeah. stuff online, I'm like learning something new every day you know it's especially just, the british magazines nowadays right it's yeah. only british magazines yeah you get the, the mojos and the classic rocks yeah. and stuff there's this freaking rolling stone is like a, a free leaflet pamphlet size now it weighs about half an ounce yeah but uh I, i'm i'm from the golden age of well not the golden 70s or probably oh, the yeah. 60s 70s but i mean 80s was huge and you know you had Hit Parader, Cream, friggin' Rolling Stone, yeah, know, Metal this, Edge, and this is why. And like Garang. I said, yeah, and to a, to an outsider of knowing you through friends of friends over the years, and now getting to really peel the layers on you, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think this Desert Island because well, yeah, this I'm, guy I'm, does. This guy should have all the snobbery, but he is so inclusive and he he understands the best part of every era. I feel well, I, this I, is going to be a journey. Yeah, I mean and. These ten I pick, or I probably have a a list of fifty. Sure, like fifty desert. You know, yeah. And this will just be where my head at, is at today. Yeah, you know, cream of the crop. You know, and it it could change tomorrow. You know, of you course. ask me again, and I might forget one because as we get older, our brain starts to slip. Yeah. But uh oh, and before we get to your desert, I'm gonna do one other quick thing since we're doing background, and uh, this will be the longest talking segment, of course. But uh, first concert. My does, first concert, matter, and you can do first concert that's embarrassing that usually is to people, and then your uh, first I'll, real concert. I'll give you my first ever concert, okay. and warts and all, and it's uh, Rod Stewart on the the Blondes Have More Fun tour. The, right. the, do you think I'm sexy? It was on that record, and nice. And he had a great band. He had the yeah, Carmine, Carmine Apice was on drums, I think, or Peace, whichever brother, whichever one of the how the brothers want to say their name. Vinny says it one Car- way. Carmine, Car- Carmine says a Peace, and then Vinny says Apice. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> who's? I want to ask their parents. Like, who's in charge of how to pronounce your who's last name? Mind the store here. Yeah, like, how do you just decide you're going to pronounce your last name different than your brother? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, you know, I think they had the Asian American bass player was really good, and they had two killer guitar players. Remember who the opener was? I don't remember the opener, but oh, okay. I just remember, you know... You will probably find it in some of the records. Yeah. yeah. yeah, It's got to be out there. And around that time, I also saw Blue Oyster Cult, and I remember the guy leaned back, and he put on a Godzilla Master in Godzilla, and he had <laughs> drumsticks that lit up like lasers, and he threw those out. It was just mind-blowing. Sweet. I saw Bad Company. Like, okay. my... my I think what it you was. Have cool parents. I had cool said. parents, and I think they didn't want to pay for a babysitter either. It's like just buy them a ticket, and we there don't have go. to. Just like the kids, you see these kids going to our movies nowadays. That kids was probably getting for two bucks at that point, you know. <laughs> well, back then tickets were five bucks, yeah. seven bucks, ten bucks. There you go. Ultimately, fifteen, maybe yeah. twenty. If it was crazy expensive as I got older, but now we're yeah. like two hundred fifty dollars for Roger Waters. But yeah. good lord, but so so uh, I think they would just drag me along. Cause it's just you know, he they knew I love music and we don't have to pay for a babysitter. No. Man, I had to fend for my own. I I did not have concert parents. It was it's, it was a struggle, legitimately. But anyway, not enough about me. Uh, so 
Uh, so they're obviously buying you records. Do you, do you have, I was going to do the first record you remember having, but I guess maybe, what was the first one you bought with your own money? Let's go with that. Can you first that one, one I bought with my own money, well, it probably, you know, you say that it's your own money, but it probably wasn't your own money. <laughs> right. But I, I, I remember I would, I would want to go to the grocery store with my mom. And it was HCB in San Antonio, and they would have records in there. Yeah, I remember that. And then you could, you know, or the TGNY or the Gibsons would have records, and I would just, I would finagle my way so I could go on, go shopping. Yeah. And I w- really wasn't wanting toys. I'd get a record, you know. Me too. Pick, like, pick this up. Yeah, and, like all my all, the, all my friends are buying Hot Wheels and GI Joes, and I wanted a forty five every week. That was yeah, my forty five or you know forty fives were ninety nine cents, forty nine yeah. cents back then, and then yeah. you can get a full length album for five bucks, and yeah. like you're just like. So I would I would buy whatever I mean, but I I specifically remember, I was uh, I just gotten into ACDC and I had had Power Age and I had Highway to Hell and I know I didn't see see him with Bon Scott, but yeah. it's after Bon had passed and they came up with Back in Black and I went to Best not Best Buy, but when the day Back in Black came out and I went and got the record i was like this is really weird it's all black and it's raised and it's like real yeah. simplistic cover but uh that's back in black i remember but I, i'm sh- i know i bought records before well, that sure. but just that one is just one of those ones it's like i was cognitive of the release date and i gotta go get this record yeah that's then, what i was getting at yeah. yeah and it's like oh my god that that record i don't know what it's probably it's in the top Ten records of all time, sales or something. Yeah. Maybe I think top it's number three. three of all time. Yeah. It's right. It's right behind Thriller and Eagles' Greatest Hits. I think it's number three or four. It's that and Rumors are kind of neck and neck still, but it's it's in the top five easily. And, so. and Rumors is a record that I'm selling to 13 year old girls now. It's yeah, like this it's, year, it's, the kids are into Fleetwood Mac this year. Well, they've been into it for like the past five years. I can't keep <laughs> Fleetwood Mac Rumors in yeah. stock. It used to be something you'd see used all the time. It's like yeah. I'm buying. There's a 45 RPM edition and a 33 and a third. And they'll buy either of them. The 45 yeah. is more expensive, you know. But whatever, <laughs> they don't care. They're yeah, loving it. But right. so we're gonna get to your design right now. Uh, before we start, I need to ask: Is this in order, or is it not in order? It's not in order. Okay. I'm gonna go totally. Everybody has a different. Yeah, thing, I'm just so. gonna go totally random because it's like picking your favorite kid. You just don't want to. Sure. I can't really do that to the this 10 I'm gonna pick out of a probably a bigger 50. So so what's your opener here? Uh, my opener is going to be a long one. So we've already rambled for a while, ah, but don't worry about it. it's going to be uh, close to the edge. By yes, off off close to the edge. Wow! And that's like you get your bang for your bucks. That one song with many parts in one song. He's got with three parts that they've Roman numeraled in a song. And but yeah, that's a long one. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a great great start. I just. And I'm not the biggest Yes fan, but I love that album yeah. and specifically that song. And it's just uh, takes you on a journey, and it's just like kind of you're in awe of their musicianship and how in the world did they come up with this and yeah. what in the world? But they did it, and it's like there forever. And that's yeah. what the great thing about music to me is like it's going to stand the test of time. It'll outlive you and I and, and whatever and, format yeah. and like who owns it and what record company's ripping off what artist it's always gonna the music's gonna prevail and people will find it and they'll get turned on to cool things yes yeah so you go kicking off chris penn's desert island this is close to the edge from close to the edge check it out
Alright, there you go. Kicking off Chris Penn's Desert Island as of today. That was Close to the Edge by Yes. What year? You know that one off the top of your head? What oh, year yeah. is that? Is that 73? Is that 76 maybe? Let's see. I let's, think let's it's earlier than 76. Nope, you're right. 72. 72. Yeah, I had, to, I had to grab the CD real quick for it. So and that's that's when you've got to, you got to see this guy's room. You don't want to, we're not going to give out his address on the podcast, but <laughs> if you want any CD, this is a record story right here. Yeah, and I haven't even you seen his vinyl yet. Yeah, you haven't seen the vinyl yet, but it's it's, uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. He yeah. can he can pull up and grab a CD and tell you what year. Pretty much, yeah. And most of it's in here on the top of the head, but yeah, yeah. But he's he's got a vast uh, bank memory bank and physical bank of music here. Yeah. We don't play around on Rock Strikes Ten, so but we play good music. Speaking of that, what's your next selection here, Chris? My next selection is. Uh, Neil Young's After the Gold Rush. Uh, for me, just uh, top to bottom, it's a great, great record. And uh, there's a song on there called Birds that uh, will tear, make me tear up every time. But uh, it's just something about that record. And, and I love Neil Young. I love all his you know, crazy feedback. And he's, you know, about it now about every fourth record is listenable or decent. But, you know, he's he's doing his thing and he doesn't he's not apologetic about it and he's kind of does it for himself and that's yeah. what i respect is him as an artist i was gonna say not to sound too cliche but even if you're not a fan you have to respect the kind of journey this guy's taken and just the stance he has about life in general and about the business well you gotta I mean, watch he doesn't he doesn't give a shit but he does a pre- you can tell he appreciates his fans in a point but I just like the almost the punk rock aspect of his oh, he, personality. He, he did know. these solo shows at the uh, the Meyerson, and he brought his old pump organ and his tack piano from. The, he recorded these songs with, and he's got the kind of money, and he just doesn't care what it costs. And like he'll re-release records, and he'll like this paper's got to be the same paper that Harvest was back on the day. Like it's got to be this certain grade and certain feel and yeah so he's just this attention to detail and just he wants it his way and i need to read that book i haven't read the book yet shaky's great he's got two now and yeah. but the uh the one that's like real thick you know but the movie's great that uh demi did demi's done a couple movies on him but right after he had his some health stuff and, he, and he's playing the rhyme in nashville it's really great and just it's one of those kind of people like even if you don't necessarily appreciate his music he kind of commands respect and, yeah yeah he's like a dylan in that but you got to check out after the gold rush and, and birds specifically off of after the gold rush It's over 
There you go, Birds from After the Gold Rush by Neil Young, one of Chris Penn's top ten desert island picks. What year? Wow. Uh, You're probably going to have to look that one up for me. I would say that one is, that one might be 71. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sounds, now you got me curious. That's all right. It sounds right in my head. So, All right. I, I just totally on the fly. I'm not even trying to show you up. No, 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 One no, record no. store guy to another. You know, no, so. <laughs> Jesus, there's so much so much floating in this brain of mine that sometimes I'm, I'm and I'm kind of like, I used to be real into the, to like the, I gotta have all the hardcore facts and I'm like, you know what? I, I grew up reading liner notes. Oh, I, 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 I still do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I have to get out my glasses and so I can see some liner notes, but. Spectacles. I love, I love the liner notes and yeah. I love to know who played what and yeah. where it was recorded and who produced it, who mastered it and all that kind of stuff. I like that nerdy guy that appreciates that they're bringing back the lyric insert in a lot of these releases. Have you noticed that? Oh, like, I, that's, I did an insert in my thing. I, I have, yeah. I had a printed inner sleeve and an insert in my Alice Cooper record. I yeah. mean, brilliant it's like i'm just like i'm gonna give the whole nine yards friggin jukebox strip and a 45 insert yeah, yeah I, I can appreciate that yeah all right speaking of appreciation number number three disc right number yes, three album number three uh it's by a band called brainiac it's off a record called uh bonsai superstar and it's the title song bonsai superstar uh, the singer of this band uh timmy taylor he passed away he had a uh, apparently purchased a, a car and the frigging car the emissions were coming into his coming through the car and he basically asphyxiated and a day or two beforehand he'd gotten a great deal in the car so he schmoozed the girl at the car lot or whatever but apparently he was telling his bandmates hey i don't feel good he was going to rehearsal and they were just about to sign the interscope and they're you know blowing up and he fell asleep at the wheel because the, the the fumes knocked him out, and he hit a pole, and uh, so he he passed away well before his time. He was a yeah. great performer, but they're the kind of band that would play thirty minute sets, if that. But it was like they would cram so much energy into that thirty minutes. Like I don't know if you could really take much more. Sure. So it was one of those kind of bands. Less is more, and they would just whack, whack you over the head. And uh, this is a great song, and 
kind of new wave Devo. They're from uh, Dayton, Ohio, and they just oh, that makes sense. And they just <laughs> they were kind of from that cut from that weird cloth. Got to buy voices meets Devo world. What is it about that area? I don't know. Maybe there's nothing you do. Maybe there's nothing to do there, and then you yeah. just make oddball, crazy music. But yeah, he, the, he was so. a great lyricist and great showman and and his band was great and they're actually making a documentary yeah that i helped that i kick-started to be a part of because i want to see the story yeah yeah randy was talking about that on the synaptic actually that's where i remember hearing that story was was yeah on his show wow i always thought it was something with his brakes and like his brakes had like were unable to work or whatever because he he, had, he hadn't had anything to drink and he'd yeah. been rehearsing he like maybe he had one drink i don't even sure. know if he, that was true but it's like that's what happened, and that's, it's just that's real terrible. I mean, that's probably barely happened to anybody. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's not on tour or not yeah. any kind of weird stuff. He's just going from rehearsal, doing his craft, and yeah. So, but uh, yeah, what song are we going to play off? This? We're going to play "Bonsai Superstar" off "Bonsai Superstar" by the rock band Brainiac from Dayton, Ohio. Nice. Some Brainiac there for you. 
So so I'm I'm happy to have them make their debut here on Rock Strikes Tim. What year was that album from? That that record was from Circa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's see. That was that was probably from ninety one or ninety two. Okay. Uh maybe ninety three. Okay. My little, like I said, my memory banks on on years have kind of gone the wayside. But they uh, they were a band that I saw in College Station, and they played opening for Lungfish, which they had the same booking agent. But Lungfish was like this guy Daniel Higgs. He kind of does this kind of almost Jim Morrison esque over angular guitar Fugazi esque, but kind of like a drone thing. And Brainiac opened up, and it was like could be polar opposites. <laughs> and then a, a buddy of mine ordered the record for me at Maroon, and I cracked it open, and he ordered the CD, and I was like, after seeing him live, I was like, I gotta listen to what, how does this sound recorded? Right. And it was equally as nuts, and I just, it's got like feedback, and just hiss, and just static, and it's just in the right places, and it's just like, whoever came up with this is either a God-blessed idiot or an absolute genius. And it's in my eyes, it's an absolute genius record, Bonsai Superstar. All their stuff's great, but that that's my favorite record of theirs. Nice. And then I wrote a letter to the guy and uh, asking for lyrics and said, hey, if I can ever promote a show and bring you back. And he wrote me this nice letter, and I yeah, wound up booking him. That, right? yeah. yeah, and I wound up booking him, and uh, they came in. It was totally like something... From, from something this wicked way comes like it's like a the carnival rolled into town they loaded in played and then just drove off and like i maybe said five words to them and but you know he knew me from the letter and he said thanks for having us and they just did great and i've got a video of it and it's pretty amazing nice uh if they ever do like a, a release package for that they should hit you up for that footage so. yeah well there's there's a lot of great footage that that documentarian's doing he's going back and he's doing archival interviews with a bunch of people and it's uh you should be in that I, I i'm trying to rally to get me and tim in there tim tim uh recorded a uh, indian pokers parts uh two and three for uh jesus hits like the atom bomb and uh he actually called the record store I was working at Maroon, and I played it over the phone with a producer, Eric Drew Feldman. This is before you could send MP3s. Well, right, right, yeah. So he's calling me, and I'm playing. I'm putting a, a corded phone up to the speaker, <laughs> and they're in a studio in Woodstock, New York, and I'm in College Station, just a fan of the band. I'm like, hey, sure. Chris will have this song. So it's off of uh, Hissing Prigs and Static Couture, uh, Couture and I, um, they recorded the song over a phone to learn how to play it. <laughs> So, you know, that'll segue into uh, one of my Desert Island, uh, Tripping Daisy. Jesus hits like the atom bomb. They uh, they did a, they had two records before. They had Bill and they had I'm an Elastic Firecracker. And oh, they, took a, they took a while to go off and they went up to upstate New York and created their masterpiece. And uh, it's just pretty uh, pretty amazing album. And you know, there's so many songs that uh, I could pick off Jesus hits, hits like the Atom Bomb that are just special to me for a lot of different reasons. And uh, they just reunited and they did seven shows. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna pick a song that they didn't play at any of those shows. It's a song called Pillar, off uh, Jesus Hits Like the Atom Bomb by Tripping Daisy. When you know you're down, when you're looking 
guys your only friend Don't you know that life It can take some time Tripping Daisy there. This is like one of the easiest shows I've ever done. I just ask Chris Penn a question and he just goes, I love this. This is this takes all the heat off me for sure. So just, thank you once again for coming on. Just pull the string on his back and he'll <laughs> he'll start rambling. Yeah. So I I'm gonna be dead honest with you, Mr. Penn. Uh I have been very crude to the Tripping Daisy up until pretty much this year. Well there's a I, it, it they weren't as they they were popular and they had the kind of the one hit sure. radio hit no but, but they still aware. flew under the radar you know yeah in, in a sense i'm super aware of them i mean the terrestrial stations i was listening to they both played tripping daisy uh i i knew i even had the i had to come on fill the metal collection where they covered electric guy which, which tim is a huge metal head he loves yeah. uh he loves Rob Halford. He loves he loves Ozzy Osbourne. That's where he. Well, he's a sane, reasonable man. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, how yeah, who doesn't not? love Ozzy? Yeah. And Black Sabbath. Yeah. So, uh, so that's been my journey. So it's been kind of like I'm starting to listen to these records now, kind of getting I'm on the hyper union train a little bit here. But I I want to discover and see what I think about these records. So these are all new to me, actually. Believe it or not. Well, but so, well, that's the great thing about music because you can never hear it all. Yeah, and you and you know, there's things that you think a certain person should have heard, or like, oh, they were in Dallas or Denton then, so they heard that. Not necessarily. No, no. Sometimes things just slide under, slide over to the yeah. left or the right of you, and so it's like that's what I love about it because there's still there's things that Jacob that works at the store he'll be playing, and you know he's going through a a deadhead phase, and you know 
I've never been a Deadhead fan, but I'm a Grateful Dead fan. But right. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hearing things that like I can appreciate. And they just came out with that crazy long, four or six part documentary. But yeah. it's like that's what I love about music. And I could watch any music documentary. I watched a friggin' yeah. documentary on Bon Jovi. That's how yeah. like I yeah. love. I I cut I cut myself watching ten minutes of the Eagles one one time, and I am not I, an Eagles. I'm fan. not an Eagles fan either. I watched, I've I seen got, that I thing twice. <laughs> I, I love Tom Petty, but. That friggin' documentary of his oh. is, is is fantastic, but it's too it long. But I, I, I could watch it all day from top to bottom. Every time I put that on, I'm like, I'm gonna watch the first half. Never goes that way. No, yeah. Never. So that's what I mean. It's the, that, but there's always those <laughs> records that you'll go back. You know, television, Marquee Moon, like you yeah. know, there's there's these records that are just a, a Miles Davis yeah. record. You, Everybody knows Bitches Brew or sketch, Sketches of Spain or oh, whatever. Oh, you got to hear a tribute because, to Jack Johnson. Yeah, man, yeah, there's, yeah, there's always like a deep <laughs> record by these sure. artists that are yeah. like, oh my God, yeah. you know? And speaking of that, since we were just talking about Tripping Daisy, man, when I was working in CD Warehouse, kids would bug the shit out of me. And they didn't want the regular ass bill. They wanted They wanted the Dragon, Dragon Street, Street bill with, yeah. my, with Green Tambourine, which yeah. uh, that's was going on with me in College Station. And one, you know when they Boy, re, when they re-signed Island, I guess Island didn't want to to pay the money to 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 license that track or pay the publishing or whatever, sure. so they left it off of the sure. the Island Records edition when it got re-released. So I figured that was the case, you know. Yeah. And, and Jesus hits like the atom bomb. That's what uh, I guess the the the. Uh, they were dropped a month after that record came out. The the label that you put on that with a lot of other records, it's the artistic follow up, you know, oh, from they, the hit record. Yeah, they. And, but, uh, but you know, they could have churned out the the same style record. They just, for whatever reason, they went off and did this. And then they, I was talking to Tim about this the other day. They released "Waited a Light Year" as the first single, yeah. and the label and the people they're playing for wanted a. Uh, wanted mechanical breakdown or wanted sonic bloom and like no no no, we'll do that we'll get to those others yeah but i like for whatever reason they gave him carte blanche and did that and (laughs) he didn't have the time to to have carte blanche because seagram's uh the parent company or whatever bought island universal i remember when that happened and it all went south and they had just just axed a bunch of bands and you know it seems like every Dallas band that was on a major at that time did that. Even not just Trippy Daisy, Toadies, obviously that happened to them, but even like a Pantera, like like the, their their hit record, and then their follow up would would go, no, this is what we're doing now. It's like Pantera had the number one album with Far Beyond Driven, but then the next album they went heavier because they were like, we're not going to do Planet Caravan on this one. We're going to play super duper heavy because all the other bands are going the other way. We're going that way. Toadies did it. Tripping Daisy did that too. Where they're like, we're just gonna play what we're gonna play. But is that a Dallas thing? Like, it seems like maybe it's because we're from here. But I, I seems think, like we all did that. <laughs> well, I think bands with backbone do that. And you Fair know, enough. there was somebody that said the other day. I can't even remember the artist. It's probably I don't remember the artist. But they said so and so has been making the same record for twenty years. They say that and, about ACDC and Motorhead. And, yeah, well, not, but the, I respect those guys. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. somebody that was like, and this was very true, and it's like, you got to think out of the box. I mean, you've done that. What else can you do? And like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like it, the people in the band are fans of all styles of music. I know I know Mark from the Toadies. He shops at Good Records, and stuff he buys is all over the map. Brian Eno, friggin' Devo, yeah. uh david bowie i mean but he likes all styles of music you know yeah. but he's just not listening to things that sound like the toadies like sure. he's 
Yeah, because you get bored. I mean, and he loves the Kinks. Do you know who? Um, I, I know you probably know who Broken Social Scene yeah, is. Yeah. Do you know who Danko Jones is? Yeah. Also, you know, like Brendan and Danko Jones are like best friends. But they I, could I know, be nothing alike musically. And they they actually lived together in an apartment back in Canada back in the day before they both were putting out records. And I listen to Danko's podcast, and Brendan goes on the show, and they just talk about the old days and stuff. But it's nothing better to me than when I listen to a show like that, and I hear Brendan go on Danko's show. It goes, man, I'm still mad for you not buying that Saxon shirt for me when you were on that festival in Europe a few years ago. Or, man, I had the Power Slave Tour shirt, and my mom sold it. And it goes for 500 bucks on eBay now. Like, to oh, listen uh, to the guy from uh, Broken Social Scene wax he about has a Maiden and Saxon. He's got a podcast or Danko, Danko's Danko got a podcast? Danko does, yeah. Well, and, I, I, had a, I had grocery <laughs> bags, not grocery bags, black trash bags full of concert t-shirts. And one year in high school, I wore a different concert t-shirt every day. Nice. No repeats. I lined up my closet and I went for it. My mom thought I was insane. But that's back when you could get a concert shirt for 10 bucks. And every show I'd go, that'd be the souvenir and, you know, it's like clothes. And I did that. And I had all that. And I went to college and it sat there at my mom's house for a year or two. And finally we donated to Goodwill. Somebody somebody made a killing. And now those shirts go for like 100, 150 bucks. And like... Or they're using it for their new clothing celebrity line, you know. Yeah. Kim Kardashian's (laughs) wearing it on one of her boobs. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to hijack the show. But but that made me think of that. So what uh, you got next? I got another... uh, keep it dallas for a second um there was a record uh by centromatic his name's will johnson yeah yeah and he he goes by different monikers and he has different bands and when he started centromatic it was just him and a four track i think recording in his in his uh kitchen and he put out a record on steve's records uh which is owned by crystal clear but uh, called redo the stacks and uh he's got there's a bunch of I think that's his masterwork. You know, it's, they always say like your first thing you put out is like your best, and you can you got only so long to do your follow up. But it might be true in this, but he's still going. I mean, he probably has like fifteen records, more than more than that probably, and hundreds of songs recorded. And this uh, song is uh, called "Fidgeting Wildly" off "Redo the Stacks" by Centromatic. I'm helping you see.
All right, there you go. Some Centromatic for you. Man, that, that is one of those bands when I was working in a record store. That was what all the guys I worked with were listening to. So I know a thing or 12 well, it, about it, them. It is kind of, Will is kind of that, he, he worked at a record store himself, and he's kind of that, uh, he's kind of that uh, quintessential record store nerd, you love his music type guy. Yeah, all, the, all those guys that I worked with that were in bands or starting bands or hung out with bands, that was the band they worshipped. I'm no bullshit. So. Yeah, he's a he's a sweetheart. He's he's married with a kid. Lives in Austin now, but he's still he's still going after it. And uh, he loves Black Sabbath. And he always he always told my friend Cam. He goes uh, he goes I want to record a song that's like Black Sabbath meets Bonnie Prince Billy. So he's definitely he's all over the map. And Dude. he's still gonna do something great. He's he's a lifer. You know, he's gonna always be doing music whether people are listening or not he's kind of in that uh guided by voices robert pollard mold definitely comes through with that and probably a lot of the bruce springsteen nebraska influence where hey he did it at his house yeah he's why just, can't i yeah and yeah. he's but he can do anything yeah that's I mean, he's still got something great coming out that's you know yeah that's that's awesome I uh, stories about guys like that so moving so on. we we lost a guy not too long ago that uh had the great fortune of the band I was working with, the managing the Polyphonic Spree, got to tour with David Bowie. Ooh. And uh, it was really weird. I mean, everybody loves David Bowie, unless you're, I don't know, something wrong with you. But I don't trust, I don't, <laughs> I, I, for the record, I don't trust people that, that don't like David Bowie. And I secretly, deep down inside, was hoping Bowie was going to be on your design list because I know this story, but I, I was really hoping to get to tell it to the listeners. Well, it was so. uh, just. Really surreal, and, and uh, we kind of talked amongst ourselves and told everybody, you know, like, we're going out with David Bowie, and uh, Julie, she uh, told our booking agent, agent at the time, Marty Diamond, little big man, said, hey, throw our name in the hat to tour David Bowie, and because before that, we were taken over to England to uh, be a part of a festival he curated, Meltdown. And at the I World have, Festival, I have, a, I have a subway poster for that bill. Actually, you do. I do. Awesome. It's, it's somewhere in here. I'll find it before you get so out. I of here. need that. Uh, yeah. But so we first time we ever played outside of Texas was in England, opening for uh, not opening for David Boy, but being a part of a festival he curated. And then so fast forward to he's doing his uh, reality tour and uh, love that record too. So so we were lucky through the name in the hat and he picked us and. We got to go out for three weeks with him. Not only did you. <laughs> and then uh, after about the third or fourth night, you know, David comes to Tim and says, hey, I got this song Slip Away. You guys would be perfect to, to come out and uh, perform. You know, you, you will trade off on the on the, the parts and the choir can come out and the horns. So, he, you know, he, all, he choreographed it where, you know, Tim comes out on the catwalk above the big video screen and sings david's part and they go back and forth and then the choir comes out and it's just really cool so we got to do that every night yeah. and yeah. the last night of the tour i, I went out in a robe and, and got on stage on david bowie's stage and did that but That's we great. kind of we kind of talked amongst ourselves like hey this is like going out with the beatles or yeah. you need to give the man his space and they didn't tell us that we just knew like yeah we can't go out there and be geeking out because yeah. we all love david bowie yeah, but young, young but, pups you know yeah, yeah. We're, we can't be like camped outside his dressing room door looking yeah. for scraps of his garbage like we got to give the man a space and we did and it 
worked out great and something happened where they invited us back out for an additional week week and a half so we did that and then we got to go back out and you know it was just amazing and we got to see a show every night and we had passes where we could go to the front and watch it or watch from the soundboard and just i got to run lights on his lighting rig for for polyphonic spree and just kind of watching how the thing like the real rock show goes you know we, of course we've been on other tours and sure. stuff but just like that's somebody amazing. that stature is like an he's an icon and we got to his, tour with him his last major tour that's yeah, the other yeah. thing that was the last time he toured extensively and We're, talking to his band at the time and and you know we went and did this music of david bowie thing that was booked before he had passed away but he had passed away so python spree got to go do that and we did slip away in his honor and yeah it's like he knew that that was going to be his last time because he dude, played long sets. Dude, that like, set list, I mean, I guess it was say, a good, it was a good cross section of everything. I'm still sick for not going because they it didn't play Dallas. It played like, Austin. We Austin and, and Houston, Houston. Yeah, and I invited and, friends and yeah, it's so crazy. I never got to see him, and that was probably my best shot. And I'm never gonna get over that. And was, I've got the reality tour DVD. That tour was definitely magic. I mean, oh, the best did, set list he ever that, did. Any, any yeah, that DVD was great. But I mean, Ugh. to be in the room and those, these arenas and these outdoor venues he was doing was really insane. Yeah, but uh, got to hear him do. Uh, I'm gonna pick Life on Mars from Hunky Dory, and just to hear that man sing that song Ooh. is just. Uh, yeah, it's another one. It's like it's just he's got so many great records, but yeah. uh, can't go wrong. But Hunky Dory's one for me, and I like his piano stuff and. And uh, so, Life on Mars from Hunky Dory by David Bowie. It's a god awful small affair to the girl with the mousy hair. But her mummy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. Now she walks through her sunken dream. To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools If they ask her to focus on singers Fighting in the dance hall To the north of broads 
Rule Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be writ again As I ask you to focus on I remember forever to to make it about me for just a minute. I was uh, I remember buying the Ryko disc of that uh, hunky dory years and years ago, and I was you know I was an I was impressionable still, and the only thing I knew was changes, and they were barely playing that on classic rock radio at the point. Immediately took to that song, of course. Oh, you pretty things just followed it right up from the beginning. Queen bitch, I mean that album just kills you know and and for the guy in me that doesn't like a lot of folk music kind of being like oh we're still in that period but man that album really does rock but when it's pretty it's super pretty and that oh. that is a damn perfect record hunky dory great choice he's got so many he's got he's touched on so many genres yeah and he's created genres and he's yeah. also Diamond Dogs, he's, he's Station a, to Station. But he's a fan of music. I mean, he covered the Pixies a couple times. Yeah. And, like, yeah. he's just, he's a fan of music, and he just, it's a, he's a true artist. And, like, it's weird. One one more story that's kind of just a trip. I was having to go find Tim to, to get him for a photo shoot or an interview or something, and him and David Bowie were in a room together, and I walked in, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm kind of interrupting, and, they're talking about Neil Young, how Neil Young would do records that would totally turn off his fan base, like trans or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Tim's not the biggest Neil Young fan, and Tim goes, yeah, you should talk to him about Neil Young. So I'm walking in to, to grab Tim, and I'm, I'm talking to David Bowie and Tim, who's also one of my favorite artists, and we're all talking about Neil Young. It's like, <laughs> is this happening? What's going on? That's great. So, so that's that was my little moment with David Bowie, and then That's great, we got man. to play with David Bowie later. He had curated another festival, the Highline, uh, at the Highline Ballroom. They opened this railway in New York, and he had us play there. And I had my six-year-old, six-month-old son. I was had him on tour with us, and wow. he played with my six-month-old son. So I always tell my son Oliver that David Bowie touched him. It's a trip. Oh man, <laughs> there, you, there you go. Well, when he becomes a famous rock star later, you can say, well, that's that's one of the reasons why. That that was a little extra ingredient there. Uh, before we get to your next one, that reminds me, I'm going to retell this little anecdote about Bowie that's not mine, but uh, when we did a four-part David Bowie tribute last year, which was great, go back and check that out, uh, 
talking about how much of a fan he was of just talking about music and staying current also I, I will never forget him going on like MTV like in 1999 or 2000 or something it was a little quick sit down for one of the alternative shows and he did that I have a generic question for David Bowie he's like so what are you listening to nowadays and he's just kind of a dipshit VJ. I don't even know who he was but he starts naming off these bands he goes yeah and also granddaddy he goes and he kind of had that look <coughs> like a blank look he goes you have you heard granddaddy he's like you don't know Gr-. like he was chastising this guy he's like you're you're a, you're a video yeah, he, he championed granddaddy which is uh, yeah. pyphonic spree played their first show with granddaddy he loved granddaddy too and yeah. i mean he just i just love that he was kind of chastising this this kid like you deliver music to the people and you don't know this band how dare you <laughs> like he wasn't being a dick but he was kind of like really you haven't heard him well he <laughs> well after he passed you know they came out with all his art that he collected it was great and then they talked they went through his record collection some of these records were just he had impeccable taste in music so it's yeah. just that no, uh, that my uh, we were talking about my friend Mark Striegel off the air during one of the songs. Mark Striegel from Talking Metal. He was one of the producers on the David Bowie Legends VH1 show, which is a great doc if you haven't seen it. It's a nice overhaul in that short of a time that they got like an hour or whatever. And he's there when he's being interviewed, and he goes, "David's just chain smoking the whole time." And uh, at the end, he's like, "God, this is going to be so dumb if I do this." But he saved. Uh, a cigarette butt of his he saved he saved uh, some of the cigarettes and uh, all the ashes and the ashtray just put it in a plastic bag and took it home <laughs> wow well, I, I wouldn't even have thought to do that wow. I love that he told that story on the show I got to punch it in but uh yeah stuff like that I mean it's freaking David Bowie man come on he's uh anyway. he's otherworldly he's like a he is like an alien that was from another world that Too we cool were graced for- with yeah, him and Dennis Dunaway were like a like I said, dropped off by space parents, and you know. Yeah, there's certain people like that. It's too cool for this world, man. Yeah. Anyway, what you got next? Well, you know, it's almost like it's it's almost cliche, but you almost got to have a, if you're doing a desert island disc album type thing, you got to have a beetle in there. So I'm gonna do uh, George Harrison, "All Things Must Pass," which is just, I think that just sums up the man and you know there's a song on there called let it down which is just amazing to me and uh if you watch the martin scorsese documentary it's just like when you hear the interviews with his wife and how he was attacked by the guy that intruded in their house and just yeah. how he was gonna be prepared to pass and you know like she saw a light when he you know passed away and he got to see ringo before he passed and just just like that guy is uh you can hear the spirituality in that album and his music and you know the the Beatles are kind of the, the blueprint for everything for the most part I mean they yeah. they learn from you know Chuck Berry and yeah. so on and so forth but if we're a guy like Harrison to, to deliver that kind of a message and I'm not a, a big spiritual guy but neither am could, I but you, it, you could tell with him that he meant it because genuine it, exactly because that's a guy that's not putting it on his records for the money no. because that's actually not helping his career at all by doing that. No, he had, he had the Harry Christmas on there with yeah. him, and he's just—I mean, he did probably it. spent forever to do that. And you see, you know, the board he did it on in the documentary, and it's just like this dude just—I mean, he has tons of music to unrelease. He just did the music because he wanted to, and he yeah. did the gardening at his friggin' house that's on the album cover. You see the gnome and all this. Yeah. He just—he's a recluse, eccentric. Uh, spiritual guy and it's just kind of like 
he wasn't worried about it. He just did what he wanted to do, and that's pretty impressive. So nice. here's uh, Let It Down from All Things Must Pass by Mr. George Harrison.
Let It Down. George Harrison. Long time since he's been on the show, and that's a shame. That's just the way the themes fall sometimes. But uh, real quick anecdote, once again for me. Just went and saw Paul McCartney a couple of days ago out in Shreveport, Bossier, Louisiana. I'm jealous. Dude, if I'd have known he was going to be that good, I would have seen him years ago. That was top ten shows I've ever seen. That MF, who's over 70 years old, playing for three hours... He's 75, isn't he? Or how old Something is he now? 77? Like mean, yeah, he's, he's in there with Brian Wilson, you know, like still still out there doing three-hour shows, those two guys. But I got to tell you, man, uh, do you, did you hear about the show? Did you get a set list on that? Uh, I've seen the set list, and it was pretty dang amazing. My wife loves loves Paul, especially. He's her favorite Beatle. And, uh, Sorry. I guess, I, I, I'm bummed out that I missed it. I should have taken my wife. I, I missed brownie points right there. But did you... Crazy setless, crazy good. In spite of all the danger, <laughs> uh, temporary secretary. He played temporary secretary. Yeah, he did. That's awesome. And and everybody just went what for a second. And I was like, yeah. We've been th- we've been tossing around getting Tim to cover that in the Pythonic spree. Oh, that would be great. There you we, go. We do. Uh, we yeah, do, we do. Let him in. Yeah, dude. And like you know, that's the cool thing. He can play Beatles anything, and people be like, yes. So he busts out in spite of all the danger and just slays the... I mean, the original recording is really crude, obviously, but just, it sounded amazing with that band. They did an acoustic version, and then they did You Won't See Me acoustic, and, oh, just... He's another guy that should do a record with his touring band. They don't always... I think part of them record with him, and some of it... they. I mean, those guys aren't hurting. Their their retainer is amazing. I think they they all make a million plus a year, from what I understand. It must be nice. Yeah. But that was the thing I was going to mention. There was a there was a tribute to George in the set, and you know I, there were two times where they really got me, and it was uh, I won't even talk about one of the other ones because it was just way too sad because it almost might get me going. But you know, some I like the song something, but it hasn't done anything for me in a long time. But though every time I hear that guitar lick, I just get a chill up the back of my spine. I know exactly what you're talking about. But the way I mean, I, I know the history of George and Paul not always getting along the best, but I did feel a genuine love, and it was just a really classy tribute. Him putting something in the set list was uh, was really nice, and I wasn't expecting it, and it just it, it gave me a nice feeling. I think I've so. seen him do, do that, and for better or worse, you know. The, those guys, they did love each other, and yeah. you know, they did didn't end probably how they. You never know how anything is going to end, but you yeah. know. And it's that, sad at this point. It's like he's paying a tribute to George, and he's paying a tribute to John. It's just like it's almost like it becomes awake for a minute every time. But then he comes back in, and and does Jet. Yeah. And uh, I saw man, him. He opened up with Jet, and it was like ooh. I was late, and it was like we were beelining towards our seat. I was like, oh my god, he's doing Jet, yeah. Jet, woo, yeah. dude. Like a ridiculous LED screen going on, and uh, living live let, let die, die. the Dude, flames, blowing up more stuff than than Kiss nowadays during Live and Let Die. It's like a war zone in there. That's it's awesome. it's great. All right, so enough about me. Back to your picks. This is number eight. We've got three more to go. Number eight. Well, I'm gonna pick a, a weird one that I discovered not too long ago. Uh, well say that probably 10 years ago but it's new it's new to us new, new newer to me yeah. uh gene clark from the birds uh he put out a record called no other uh and it was his fourth fourth record and uh it was a total flop you know i think at the time he was 
he had some success before that. He put this record out, uh, and there's a song on there called No Other, and it's just psychedelic masterpiece. So put this, put some headphones on for this one.
Right, that was No Other by Gene Clark. What was the name of the album again for the people at home? It's called No Other. It's his fourth record, and the whole thing is uh, pretty amazing. There was uh, a beach house and uh, another group of people. They did. They went out and covered the record, and they got guests to come out and do it with them. So they did a tour. I think they did two or three cities, maybe four cities, where they covered this record. And it's uh, hmm. it's one of those records that's like a was a total flop when it came out but it's like people discover it now and just time goes on yeah yeah it's a just a masterpiece well it's it's interesting in the sense that there's a lot of albums that are real popular now that we hold in the pantheon of classic records that were flops pet sounds was a flop the bends was a flop i mean you know yeah they, a... <laughs> they the radiohead came off of off of creep and pablo honey and then yeah that was that was another band that that we talked about. I don't even know if it was on this podcast or the other one where it was like, oh, it was this one where you know they could have did the same record. They went off and did a crazy masterpiece that was yeah. over people's head at the time. But yeah, I still think the Benz is their best record, and OK With Computers is yeah. slightly right underneath that. But those two records are yeah, their they, records for me. They've kind of lost me. But me, me too. Yeah. But those two are. Good Lord, awesome. Yeah, that's one of those bands where their fans are convinced that they're still making that record, but they're they're not. I'm sorry. But anyway, you can't blame them for trying, I suppose. No, you can't. <laughs> they whip your ass at the store sometimes quite a bit. Yeah. But... Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to hear this, don't worry. No, exactly. <laughs> All uh, right. So. So, number nine? Number nine. The number nine. Uh, well, uh... Since we're not really going in order, I'm going to pick an Alice Cooper song, and it'll be off the record Love It to Death. And uh, it's we've still got a long way to go. It's, uh, I, don't know, I don't even know how long it is, maybe three and a half minutes, 320. If that, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I think Michael wrote it. It's just quick, to the point, to the point, no faking. Cooking MCs like a pound of bacon. We've still got a long way to go by Alice Cooper from the album Love It to Death.
Now, this was another one, like we talked about how great Alice is with his set list when we talked about this on the Birthday Spectacular, but he played this one last year on tour, and man, I got a kick out of that one. Didn't think I'd hear that one live again, and you could tell that everybody was really jazzed to play it. Super great song. Yeah. Long it, way to go. It's a it's a great one, and it's uh kind of tells the story of them starting out, and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like ACDC's it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll it's like it's just you know those guys they used to write the lyrics together and just it just it's a song that I play for people and they're like that's Alice Cooper I had no idea and it's like you know this is this is Alice Cooper you know because it's not a it's not one you hear on the radio it's not one you you're familiar with but those two records love it to death and killer yeah. I'd l- I would have loved notch. to. That's one of those songs from the early days. It's like, where's the Who version of this? Because that's. Oh, that's, they love the Who. I know. I mean, that's you, what they. Obviously. The Yardbirds and the Who is their, their touchstones. Exactly. But wouldn't it be great to have heard them do that? The closest we ever got was Roger Daltrey covering No More Mr. Nice Guy on that Bob Kulick tribute album. And he goes, man, that song came full circle. Because when I sang that song, I was like, this is my Roger Daltrey track, you know. And uh, man, but yeah, that definitely is one of those who jams, I think. And, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, Yardbirds, of course. the The Yardbird story that Dennis tells in his book is one of my favorite parts of the book. How go, they go. how they how they do all the all the Yardbird songs, and then the Yardbirds come on after them. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. No, knowing those guys as well as I know now, you 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 hear that story and you go, "That's not real. That's not." Yeah. No, I, I can totally see them doing that and thinking it was the greatest idea ever. Yeah, and then going that wasn't the greatest idea no. they're they're those guys are so funny and hearing those guys chat amongst themselves is they're still the best of friends and it's just crazy that mm. that but yeah to, for them to cover the Yardbirds opening for the Yardbirds is just who would do that yeah. i mean but leave it to them yeah well that's uh that's a high water mark for artists on rock strikes 10 of course alice is the perennial favorite how are you gonna to top that? You gonna to top it? Well, I, what I you don't. Got last year? Well, I don't know that we're we're <laughs> we're we're going in. I, I said we're not going in order. Uh, is this like your favorite record? Is this like kind of the one? If you had a gun to your head, is this the one? The, the, this next one I'm yeah. about to tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, I when I when I was growing up, my uh, my stepdad, who's no longer with us, he loved Aerosmith and. Uh, I'm gonna give Aerosmith some props. Now they've gone off the friggin' deep end. Oh yeah, uh, we all know this. You know, I don't have to apologize for them, but yeah. if they could have stopped, probably after Night in the Ruts, they would have a pretty good track record. You know, even though they were on a lot of drugs, there's still some great, great music. And you know, Pump and I can, I can, I can defend stuff off Permanent Vacation and Pump, but also to be fair, that's when I came in. Yeah, and I rode that train. That was that was my era. But I recognize. Those still aren't the same records from the seventies. I understand. All yeah, that. yeah, I'm the same way. Like, and I look at those records as it gave me a chance to see the original Aerosmith, so I embraced them at the time. But yeah. you know, when they came out and did stuff like Pink and that's yeah, my favorite color and yeah. whatever, I I like like three me. songs off of Nine Lives, and that was really where I stopped. After, well, I'm done after that. And the honking on Bobo in theory should have been great, but that was a, yeah. atrocious. But yeah. I'm going to choose uh, Seasons of Wither Ooh. off of uh, Get Your Wings. But, that, uh, 
but that's a that's a great song and it's just uh that's a good one it's yeah. a, if, if you don't know that I think that's Steven's favorite song it might be done. I mean yeah. well you know that's why the dude can go on American Idol I'm kind of getting chills talking about it right now he can go on American Idol he can do his idiocy but when you have a dream on or seasons of wither you uh, you can you, you've got the you got the leeway a little bit with my book you've kind of yeah. you've done your you've done your work you probably should have stopped but you kept going yeah so man freaking get your wings seasons of wither great closer enjoy i pulled that one out of the hat that was not pre-planned
Seasons of Wither, closing out Chris Penn's Desert Island list for the Get Your Wings album. Great choice. And we're enough music geeks to where I like saying things like this on the show. An album that was supposedly ghost-produced by Bob Ezrin, one of our favorites. Yeah. uh... Him and Jack said they would actually literally, our names would be on these records, but since we worked in the same studio and we were contracted to the same company, they would just help each other out on those records. So that's why on Get Your Wings, Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter play the solos on Train Kepper Rollin', which was always a really dark secret for a while, but now it's out because of the internet. But Bob Ezrin basically produced that album, so you can hear songs like Seasons of Wither and be like, yeah, that's Bob. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, now you think about it, you're, you're totally right. And it's so weird. What's great for the, the ghost players, they're now going back and they're getting royalties, like, because it's documented and you know it might not get changed on the liner notes and stuff but they're sure. they're going slowly working on getting these guys money for have being having played on those songs yeah great record you can't mess with get your wings good stuff there um if you don't have a copy of that i don't know what you're doing with your life but uh well, i mean you, you, I, I got some records to seek out now i always like new records to put on my yeah, shopping check list. out the ones you you didn't you don't know of mine and i'm i'm gonna check out the other people's desert on this because i love lists like i was saying earlier it's like you can always find something like that you didn't know about like if it's somebody's in their top 10 it's like there's got to be something valid or meaningful about it absolutely all right well man chris penn i want to thank you for your time and schlepping all the way over from dallas to come hang out on the rock oh. strikes 10 cnj radio.com studios today Thanks to the George Bush tollway, it was not a problem. Oh, beautiful. It's the only... It's the only That's the only g- saving grace of George Bush. I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe. <He's>, maybe. <laughs> Big Tripping Daisy fan, I heard, you know. So, anyway. All right. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. Thanks for joining me here on this episode. Go back and listen to the other said Desert Island List episodes on cnjradio.com with all the episodes of Rock Strikes 10, including the ones not on iTunes. you got got 100 episodes until this one gets deleted off iTunes. So enjoy while you can, but stay with cnjradio.com for everything. Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Stay tuned also for The Synaptic featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative and a friend of both of ours. And stick around for The Last Theater on the Left and Wrestling House Show Blogs by Chris. And last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Space Beard for the awesome outro. Chris got a kick out of that one. Uh, go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband for more information. Purchase their latest album, Gone. And tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We're going to go ahead and get the hell out of here. Have you beat the rush hour. Everybody else, we'll see you on the next one. Have fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me.